0: This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two pretty spectacular human beings Brian Murray. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Welcome to the new year. Welcome, both of you. This is the first official recorded episode in 2019. I'm so excited to be here. But before we get into the entire show, we have a couple of shout outs to make. The fantastic, amazing, spe- stupendous humans over at the Goodreads group for iRead Comic Books, very close to 500 group members, by the way. We had a huge reading challenge all last year that started in February. And there was a ton of books on it, too many books to count. I mean, that's not true, but still, a lot of books to read in a year on top of your regular reading, and we had a handful of people finish, so we want to give some shout-outs to them. 47 Time, Robert, Kate from the show, Kate Lamphere, Francis, Philip, Daniel, and Aaron, you guys are amazing. We cannot believe you guys spent the time to actually sit down and read all these books and talk about them and converse with all the other people in the the Goodreads group. So amazing. Right now, though, if you're interested in joining our next reading challenge for 2019, you can go to the Goodreads group right now and you can nominate a book and it will show up on the list, as well as all of the books that are going to be coming from the people from iRead Comic Books. So kudos to the rest of you. We're really excited to read Why the Last Man, Volume 1, that you all voted on and decided that we should read as the first book of the month for 2019. But let's get into the show and let's actually talk about some comic books because I do have a bunch of other announcements, but we'll get to those after the break. So, Brian, Kate, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate.
1: New year, new me. This is the Kate that eats vegetables <laughs> and goes for walks every oh, day. My. Wow. Not weekly, daily.
0: Sounds fake, but All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds like it'll last for a month. Okay. Yeah.
0: Odd flex, but okay.
1: <laughs> anyway, I'm good. I am still on break. I go back Monday, so not looking forward to that, but enjoying the last uh, few hours of being on Christmas break.
0: And how have comic books been for you? Since in the new year, have you read like 500 comic books in you know, a week?
1: I have been very busy with visiting out-of-state relatives and this and that, but I did get a chance to read. I went to a friend's house for a new year's eve party and it turns out she had gotten a copy of baking with kafka by tom Gold. the it's a drawn in quarterly book so it's a really nice quality hardcover and it mm-hmm. was just sitting on her end table and she was doing things with her five-year-old that she had to do and so i was just sitting there and i was like hmm and i ended up sitting there reading the entire thing and it was great and what's
0: this what's this book about because i know i've seen it and i like i remember marveling at the cover.
1: Tom Gold is the cartoonist for The Guardian that he has like a regularly running cartoonist in there. And so he's cartoonist in the very like not comic book sense but the regular. So he does some of them are sequential with a number of panels but mostly a lot of them are just one frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say most of them are like two or three. Anyway, so it's a book of all those. So these are all I'm pretty confident all of them have already appeared in The Guardian or other places like that. Um, and it's just collections of them that he every so often puts together. And I've read some of his other ones and really like them. I just really like his humor style. It's a lot of history jokes, literary jokes. Um, like there was a really good Sherlock Holmes joke kind of thing. And gotcha. He he. his drawings remind me of like Sarah Scribbles, the, the one with the cat, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. kind of like very sparse lines, but very expressive and very comedic. Like the the way he uses his line work to to evoke comedy is, oh it's he's just very talented. Um, that's great. So it's really easy to sit there with a, a big thick hardcover of it and just read one after the other after the other and just giggle yourself silly. And then the kid's been bathed and put to bed and now it's time to hang out with your friends. <laughs> just saying if, that's how it works for some people.
0: <laughs> right. And if you don't know what Sarah Scribbles is, you should Google that because it's a fantastic little web comic. And she does. She does great work. Yeah, well, and she has collected volumes
1: like of that too. She has three of them. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. I I, I remember seeing this like months ago. I mean, that's that's. I'm glad you got to actually check it out because it looked really fun.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things like I don't have the money to go drop on a hardcover graphic novel, (laughs) but it was just sitting there waiting to Mm -hmm. be read. I did ask permission because you don't touch other people's comics without asking. That's the rule. True. So I also read a few other single issues, but that was the real standout.
0: Cool. Well, Brian, how about you? How has, you know, the last half of 2018 and the beginning parts of 2019 treated you, as well as what books have you been reading?
2: Uh, It's been good. Uh, Kate and I are buying a house, uh, so that's been occupying most of my life. Yeah. Um, Pretty much every spare thought I have is either i can't wait for this house or freaking out about all the stuff we have to do still right right um, but i did find time in the midst of this anxiety to finally sit down and read the bonga adaptation of your name um which okay. is an anime that hit theaters i want to say in 2016 in japan yeah yeah and then i think it, it got an english dub and came over here i think in early 2017 but i could be off base uh, either way, it's a story by uh, Makoto Shinkai and Arata Kano with art by Junya Nakamura. It's um, the, the characters are, I think, what sell this story for me. And I think that they did a really good job adapting them to this medium. Part of what I liked about the anime was how just like stunningly beautiful everything was. And mm-hmm. that carried over fairly well into a manga but there's something about seeing it as just stationary images that lost a little bit of that magic for me gotcha um that said i mean it was still a very enjoyable read i got the all three volumes for a total of 20 bucks off Comicsology. that's not bad so yeah, it was on it was over their holiday sale so i'm sure it's probably oh. more now but
0: <laughs> yeah could you, could you give us a little bit of like a synopsis of what the story's about for those who maybe haven't seen the movie or read this yet?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, basically, this guy wakes up one morning, except he's not in his own body. He's in the body of a girl who lives out in the country, while she is in his body in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like a, a body swapping dramedy where they just sort of like occasionally wake up in each other's bodies and over time they you know start to get to know each other and they start helping each other in their own lives so like she is helping him you know quote unquote show his feminine side and meet girls and Mm -hmm. he is helping her like stand up for herself in her hometown and things like that uh it's it's like the weirdest meet cute i've ever seen (laughs) but i really like it and there's a, there's a big twist that I don't want to spoil, but yeah, it definitely like hit me in the gut the first time I saw it,
0: so definitely gotcha. recommend yeah, checking I've, it out. I was going to say, I've heard very good things about this. This is definitely not the story I thought it was, so um, I'm glad I didn't make any weird assumptions about the twist and all this stuff, so thank you for explaining that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what about you, Mike? Well, for me, I I read actually a lot of comics in the last part of the year, I read like some graphic novels and stuff, and um, just because I was traveling a lot, like Kelly and I, we drove from New York to Michigan and back, and I think we totaled around forty-two or forty-four hours in a car in seven days. I don't Oof. recommend anyone do that. Um, but otherwise, I the thing that I really want to talk about is a book that I picked up on Comicsology that I saw at Midtown Comics very recently called "Death Saves Fallen Heroes of the Kitchen Table," which is an anthology book that is all about Characters from a D&D game, like playing Dungeons & Dragons, where your character died. And so it's these little short stories about how characters perished either because of a bad role, or because a character flipped out, or because the DM flipped the table and said, we're not playing this anymore, or, you know, a bunch of different reasons. Any reason that a character could die in a fantasy tabletop RPG setting is kind of covered in this book, and me being the huge D&D nerd that I am, super into this, and I put off reading it for a little while because anthologies can be a little weird sometimes and I was like this sounds cool and I bought it on I I don't remember why I bought it. I just thought it looked cool because it was pretty cheap Um, but I really really enjoyed it and if you're looking for just like a quick glimpse into what the life of a D&D player is from all sorts of different perspectives, from the meta perspective of I got to roll up a character to the full on 100% roleplay, I'm only going to tell you this story from within the fantasy world type of setting, um, this book has it all. And so if you're looking for just like a fun fun little book about d and I really recommend this one over some of the other ones that are out there. I think this was really put together and um, actually one of my co-workers wrote a story in this. So... Uh, I was, which I didn't know that he did. So, Uh, but yeah, otherwise it was very, it was very fun. Um, I just love D&D and that's all I want to do with all of my free time that I have forever. And (laughs) then I get to find comics like this that combine both. And I feel like I've played a small session of D&D in the end.
1: Yep. D&D is magic. Brian and I were playing right before recording this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like among the group of... I read comic book people and some other, you know, extended friendships and stuff that we know we all are in some capacity at playing a D&D game with someone that we know um, because or, or tabletop RPG in general. It doesn't have to be D&D, but D&D is life. d and is love. <laughs> Let's talk about comics that are coming out this upcoming week. Let me just make a hard tangent. Comic books are being released on January 9th, 2019. Um, before I actually ask what you guys are excited for, I was looking at what I was going to pick for this week, and I noticed that there are a ton of new number ones coming out. Yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. It's the second week in the year of releasing comics. Uh, the, some of the books that I pulled off of League of Comic Geeks that I noticed were coming out, Captain Marvel, A New Friendly, Neighborhood Spider-Man, Young Justice, Tom Clancy's The Division, Extremist Malice, Transformers, Historia... Um, Turok, Gunning for Hits, Web of Venom Unleashed, Atomic Robo in the Dawn of a New Era, and a book that I saw that I couldn't believe existed called Stabity Ever After. Oh no. And it's about a small rabbit who kills people. I don't know. Who's
1: doing the new Young Avengers?
0: Uh no, Young uh Young Justice. Oh, sorry. Young Justice is Brian Michael Bendis. Oh. Huh. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. And I think Kelly Thompson is on the new Captain Marvel. It's going to be interesting. 2019 is going to be very interesting. But anyways, what are you guys excited for this week? Let's start with you, Brian.
2: For me this week, I'm looking forward to Life is Strange number two. I think that Life is Strange number one was my pick last time I was on, or one of the more recent times I was on. I'm a big fan of the Life is Strange video games, and I was kind of nervous about this book just because it's it's so easy to screw up an adaptation like this. It's not an adaptation so much as a continuation. But I was terrified that it wasn't going to translate well into comic form, but it turns out it did.
0: Um, How do you make choices in the comic, though, Brian? (laughs) Well, that is the thing. Go to page
1: 17 if you want to (laughs) talk.
0: Are we talking about Bandersnatch? Oh, wait, sorry.
2: (laughs) I got your Bandersnatch right here. Um, No, it's about it takes place a year I think after the first game and they do a really good job of the main character. Max is like, does some time travel shit in the first game. Mm -hmm. And this book has her sort of like jumping, almost like unconsciously going between timelines. It seems like, so they're doing a really good job of not saying like, Hey, this ending choice is the Canon ending choice. Mm -hmm. They're like, allowing everyone to maintain their head cannons in that way which i think is yeah probably the best way you can do that yeah um the art's really good the writing is really good it feels like the characters in the game are talking when you read the dialogue which Mm -hmm. is another thing that i was kind of worried about so
1: yeah especially when you get a new writer in there is it the same person who wrote the video game scripts no okay yeah i've had that happen where it's like oh this person just doesn't have their voice down not that I've read a whole bunch of media tie-in fiction. This is on the internet forever, right? Yeah, I don't read media tie-in fiction. Who's asking? Why? <laughs> I've read a lot of it. And that's a pet peeve of mine, when they the person, the character just doesn't act or talk the way they usually do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so it's I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what issue two is going to happen there. Issue two is sort of the return to Arcadia Bay, which is the setting for the game. So I'm excited to okay. see if any other familiar character is going to show
0: up and things like that. Or those who may or may not have died. Dun, dun, dun. I I don't know enough about that game series to speak to that. Uh, well, cool. I'm I'm glad you liked the first one because I think I do recall you saying I think you were a little bit on the fence about that because you weren't sure. But I'm glad that it actually worked out.
2: Yeah, sometimes things actually work out, isn't
0: that great? <laughs> well, Kate, what about you? What are you excited for this week? I already know, and I'm very mad that you picked it so I couldn't pick it. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> I jumped in there and re- saw that you guys hadn't done it. I was like, oh, I don't uh-huh. have time to worry about it right now. But boom, die number two gets to be me. <laughs> so. <laughs> I One of the number ones I read over break was Die Number One, and I am very excited to read number two. This is Kieran Gillen's new book with Stephanie Hans, and Stephanie Hans is why this book is amazing. Um, I really love her color work in it, and it's being called Goth Jumanji, and that is the most apt description, I think. Oh, sure. All you need is to know that it is. this is Goth Jumanji with D&D. <laughs> Mm -hmm. In issue number one, there's a scene where they go out in the rain and, like, the colors are running and dripping. And it's, like, so vibrant and so, like, (sighs)
0: so very,
1: (laughs) so so good. Um, So I'm really looking forward to it for that. I do hope we get more into what happened. The first, first one's all setting up the mystery. So I hope we get a little... A little more taste of what's going on um, in number two. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that this is going to be a kind of drawn out story uh, mystery, but maybe not. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, the only bits that I know about this book are that uh, Kieran Gillen is waiting to actually release the playable yeah. RPG until after the first arc comes out because apparently the end of the first or the the game book itself spoils some of the end of the first arc. And I think after that, he said it's safe to play the game and you won't get spoiled for the rest of the story, but I'm very interested to see what that yeah, means. That'll and,
1: be, yeah, that would be very cool.
0: And again, I'm I'm mad that you took this because this book is very much my shit, given what I said before in the first half. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, So yeah, th- but this book is... Oh, it's I'm so mad at how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those books. I'm, I'm definitely on the same page. It was an excellent first issue. Mm-hmm. Well, for me this week, I am... Very excited, not only for Die Number Two, but for Criminal Number One. This is Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. They're back. They're bringing back their their famed, wonderful image book that kind of jumped around from different publishers. But it's all about this weird noir world, semi-noir world, I guess, that takes place in a couple different generations of just. People doing crimes, <laughs> and that's fun. <laughs> People doing and crimes
1: I, is where Ed Brubaker lives.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's great. Like the dude does a very good job writing mystery stories. I think Sean Phillips' art works perfectly. I mean, uh, they've got a new colorist on this. Sean Phillips' son, Jacob Phillips, who also did the coloring on My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, um, which was Chef Kiss is good. Um, he's doing the colors on this. I'm very excited to see what he does because I think. For my heroes have always been junkies, things are very neon, things are very bright, and that's very much not criminal. So to see, I'm really excited to see how he plays out the color work, and I'm not going to bring up the whole thing about them changing colorists because of Comics Gate, we're just not going to talk about that, but I said it on the show, it's in... It's in the mythos now. But otherwise, yeah, I'm very excited for Criminal Number no. 1. This is going to be super cool. I think what's going to happen is I'm going to buy all the digital issues and then actually read it when the trade comes out in physical form because I have all the other criminal trades. But, like, I really want this book to succeed, so I'm going to buy it twice because that's how much I believe in it. And I just I love a good crime story. And Brubaker, as Kate said, he kind of lives in this shit, and he does it super-duper well. So, yeah, that's me for this week.
1: I really, really like their work on what was it velvet that was like the oh, that, 70s spy comic
0: yeah that was actually it was that was still ed brubaker but it was different steve color. mcniven on yeah. art. yeah
1: or different art
0: yeah, yeah 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 but still brubaker does a great you know he does a great mystery he does a good a good suspense thriller and if you're really looking for some seriously great ed brubaker stories i will recommend reading his book sleeper that he did whole oh, boy that is a fantastic superhero thriller suspense story from beginning to end. Read it all in like one sitting because you won't be able to stop. It's that good. For our show this week, we are talking about comics that take place anywhere but the planet Earth as we know it. So I was very curious about what this topic was going to be about because Brian and Kate came to me with this topic, and they said, Mike, we must talk about comics that don't take place on Earth. And I said, why? That's not interesting. And Brian hit me in the face, and he said, Mike, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, that's so I really want I to know yeah. what makes what <laughs> makes these kinds of comics really interesting. That actually didn't happen. I'm just joking. But no, I, I hit I it am, for a completely am... different reason, unrelated <laughs> yeah. to this topic. I'm very curious, like, what makes comics that take place anywhere but Earth interesting to you guys? You you want to talk about this, so I came up with a ton of examples of comics that don't take place on Earth. I have some reasons why I like them, but I'm curious to know what you guys think. So, Brian, Kate, whoever wants to jump in first, tell me why you like these comics.
1: For me, it's all about escapism. I Sci-fi fantasy is my favorite genre in any medium, um, mm-hmm. And it's all about feeling like I'm in a completely different world. And so what makes it good for me is when that's evoked really well. And when I don't like it is when I can't really, I don't feel sucked in. I don't feel like it's real. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for me, it's all about getting an experience that it's impossible to get in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And You know, obviously, like, I'm not a superhero either, so I'm not going to get that experience. But reading, <laughs> reading a comic or... or Or watching a show or something that takes place in a totally different world with completely different rules is—it's an experience that it's impossible to have outside of that fiction.
1: Yeah, gotcha. It opens up so many more possibilities too for stories.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that that frustrates me sometimes when you know you're reading a like a sci-fi book or something and it takes place. On an alien planet, but it's really just Earth, except the trees are a different color or something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you had yes. you had all this freedom, and this is what you chose to do with it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, that bothers me too. Um, mm. The thing that really gets me that I know some people are really into is like sci- in science fiction, you see this a lot, where it's just fight book, and like ninety percent of the content, whether it's a comic or novel, will be just fight descriptions, and not leaving enough room there for like actually making the cultures that are fighting feel real and their conflict feel real and making the world feel like anything other than just like a field that exists somewhere in space. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like space marines can be fun, but if it's too little on the actual world building, then I don't get that, that feel that I'm going for to get the escapism element.
0: Okay. See, that's interesting because one of the books that I was just thinking about before we actually started the topic was this book called extremity Mm -hmm. and extremity is it's a really interesting future sci-fi weird thing where these people live in this bubble world kind of i don't say bubble world that's kind of a bad description they just live in like a like near a series of floating islands kind of like Mm avatar-esque right um and the world building itself is very minimal you get it all from the imagery because the the book is done right. by daniel warren johnson and he does all the world building through the pictures but Which the actual dialogue counts. and captions yeah okay okay and if that counts then maybe i misunderstood what you were saying but i felt like the majority of the actual story is about this relationship between a father and his daughter and like their and how like the, she doesn't want to fight but they have to fight and so it's all it's very emotional like that book made me Tear up. I won't lie. It's a 12 issue maxi series that is like fantastic and beautiful from beginning to end. And if you have a chance, go read it because it's amazing. But man, I-, I didn't feel like there was a lot of world building outside of some like subtle nods here and there. But the majority of that is done strictly through the art. Um, and it, the rest of the story is just fighting and some arguing, and then flashbacks, all about these characters' relationships, and less about the actual world. But I still feel like it's a very strong "Anywhere but Earth" kind of story about humans just trying to survive. Right. Um, like if it's, it can okay. totally
1: be evoked in art. Like a big thing for me is like the costume design. Like if you think about Saga and the different racial racial groups and um, factions that are fighting and they have mm-hmm. very distinct ways of dressing and that can evoke that whole that foreign alien feeling really well and help explain the world just visually you know w- who this character is at least in terms of what what group they belong to when you're talking about something like Saga that has a billion characters in it and you know mm-hmm. oh this is one of the robot people i mean the head gives it away but The the
2: fucking TV head is kind of a clue in.
1: Well, and so you remember we went to the Star Wars costume exhibit at the Detroit Institute of Art when it was was a traveling exhibit and it came around?
2: Yeah, yeah. I remember one of the things
1: in the exhibit was talking about how when you make uh, costume designs for like science fiction for like alien cultures, you need to make it, it somewhat. It's a weird balance between recognizable and alien for the viewers. Because mm-hmm. if it's just too weird, it just looks like, you know, you put them in a blender and whatever. And so they have to have some symbolism to them that's recognizable. But then, how in like original Star Wars, they use it in a lot of um, c- stuff, they'll basically use it uh, in less PC ways. So, like the Sand People are dressed like desertized men so that you know they're aggressive savages. Because you're a racist?
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's, that yeah. w-
1: that happened a lot, especially in like, you know, you're talking 70s and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, But in that same vein, you know, don't go the racist route with it. But you still need to have, um, it still needs to be imagery that your viewers can understand, but also feel alien, which is a hard balance. And the yeah. artists that I, are good at coming up with that design, like I think Jamie um, McKelvey is really good at Totally. Design.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting about that Star Wars exhibit was there was a whole section on just the dresses that Padme wore, yeah. which I was like. I didn't think that there was so much thought in the character that really only dressed up like that for two movies. Yeah. Because I think by the third she really wasn't wearing like these big huge pieces. Mm-hmm. But um there, there was a lot that they they talked about like just focusing on like we wanted this to be unique but we also wanted to influence this and we wanted mm-hmm. to talk about how like in the 1400 somebody would wear this during the day but at night it would be an offshoot and it was like and I was like Wow! Yeah, they really did their homework on these new Star Wars movies. <laughs>
1: yeah, so it's it's both alien this is and the understandable. Mind you. Yeah, yeah, it's such an w- interesting th- dynamic that you have to find that weird balance. And the other part of the art for me that really evokes that alien feel is often like the color palette. Like I mm-hmm. don't know if either of you read Gamora's Nicole Perlman's Gamora. That was I think they call it memoramenti. And they didn't get a volume two, which is really tragic. So it just goes by Gamora Momento Mori. But it's Mark mm-hmm. Chichetto on art. And the color palette he picked is so vibrant and beautiful and, like, jumps off the page but feels very, like, bright and alien, especially in that you're also getting... All the drawings of this world, but the whole book is about her being on this planet that's getting sucked into a black hole. So it's a race against time, and this world is essentially coming apart at the seams. And Aussie. the color palette really makes it pop, and really makes it feel frantic, and makes so much of it. I mean, so many characters have you know green skin or orange skin or different things, and um, that the Star comes Trek up approach yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and it that becomes very much a part of how they make it feel like an alien world even though what you are is in a city with motorcycles and stuff that could be you know earth but they make it look so alien with the color palette and some unique you know building designs and stuff like that mm-hmm. and having Gamora running around
0: <laughs> right right right
1: that's a beautiful book if you haven't read that book read that book it's so good
0: yeah, that that was, I was thinking about this this book, um, Copperhead, which I only read like the first few issues of, but it was, you know, it's like kind of a Western, and it's it's about this woman, Clara Bronson, who she becomes the new sheriff of this city on the planet Mars, so oh. it uh, doesn't take place on Earth, um, and I think one of her uh, cr- other, one of the other officers is like an alien race, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm getting this book confused in another book, but... Um, it does feel kind of like, yes, it's alien, and they play with the idea that, hey, it's, you're not on Earth anymore. Yeah. Um, but it does feel like, you know, Earth, people from Earth came and colonized it. So it's it's just barely away from Earth. So it feels like this could have taken place somewhere on Earth, but it just so oh, happens to be on Mars. So it kind of gets away from that idea of making things, like, alien and different. Mm-hmm. And it just says, well, humans moved to this place, and then they made it like everything else. Um with some changes, you know, just to make it more like you're living in Mars, you have specific Mars problems. Yeah, yeah I say, I imagine that there are problems that a Martian
2: has that an Earthling would not have. <laughs> totally, totally, totally.
1: Tom Gould, who I was talking about in the first half of the show, has a graphic novel called Moon Cop. That's an actual graphic novel, not like a compendium of his uh, cartoonist mm-hmm. strips. But it is set on the moon and he's a cop on the moon. But the whole thing is all. Wait, wait, wait! In slow
2: down, slow down! I'm confused. Wait, wait. Yeah. So Can he's explained
0: the premise. It's one
1: called more? Moon Cop, but he is actually on the moon and he's a cop.
2: Okay, but yeah. where, he's on the moon.
1: Well, I know it. You wouldn't get it from the title. No, that's the title is throwing that's
2: my that's my thing. Well,
1: and I thought he might be like an artist or something, but no, he's actually a cop.
2: Okay, I got you. <laughs> all right, I, I follow. Let's go.
1: Okay, moving forward. He, so it's all in blacks, grays, and blues. To, so that Moony vibe, right? It's so melancholy. It's about him living, being a like security guy on the moon, but everyone's leaving the moon because there's no business on the moon anymore, and just okay. being this cop of this like vanishing community as everyone leaves, but he can't. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. But that that was another one where the color really helps you go like, oh, you're, I'm on the moon. I'm out in the void of space, and it's very sparse. Like all his things are you know far apart and mm-hmm. it's it's a good one it's very strange and once he's a you, cop. Re- you you uh, yeah well <laughs> he's not just a cop. i'm sorry i'll cop leave
0: this alone on the moon right. <laughs> all right completely changing directions yeah. i found two books okay so i i was going to i kind of stretched this idea mm-hmm. a little bit comics that takes place anywhere but earth also, sort of applies to fantasy. Oh, Oh, one
1: hundred percent.
0: Right? Yeah. For okay. Sure. Okay. Good. So I was I was gonna throw out my Cemetery Beach by Bryant or by uh, Jason Howard and Warren Ellis because gotta find a Warren Ellis book. Of course you can. Naturally, where's um, the X Men, Mike? Oh, I have got an X Men book. Oh, of course you there. do. <laughs> um, so that other book that I was thinking about was Delicious in Dungeon, which is a fantasy book about people who delve into a dungeon and they they're trying to find this great wizards uh, gold because that's what dungeon dwellers do um, but it's like this magical island where there's like a buried castle and you have different floors and the further you go down in this thing the harder the monsters become to defeat and the monsters they die but then they regrow because there's this magic that inherently doesn't allow anything to actually die it's just your soul gets trapped there and then you could potentially be reincarnated Huh. So, if you die as a person and your body is recovered, they can actually grab find your soul and put it back in your body, and you come back to life. It's this wonderful little story, but it's it's so like out there be not only because it's a manga but also because it's leaning very hard on tropes of dungeons and dragons but while also being a food manga. I know I've talked about wait, it on wait the show wait before. wait
1: it's a a dungeon crawler food manga
0: it's a yes. Kate, why is, is manga greatest, like this? <laughs> this is the greatest manga because I've ever. Because they're not read. afraid like we are. They're, it's yes, true. They're, they're, no fear in Japan. Um, they're willing once, to take the, risks and do weird shit. And the whole book that. itself is about, you know, they're delving through this dungeon, they run out of food, so they decide, well, what if we just ate the monsters that we killed? And so you've got stories about they kill a mushroom person, not a mushroom person, but like a living mushroom comes to attack them and tries to kill them with spores. They kill the mushroom and then fry it up in some oil and then have it with some bread. And that's what they call. And you get this whole diagram of this beautifully drawn dish with all the stats about how much calcium and fat and how much energy you'll get out of it because it's a food manga. It's Wonderful. And then there is a bigger overarching story because it's not all about just finding food. The whole premise is they're trying to find one of the other party member's sister who was supposedly eaten by a dragon, but they're like she might not be digested yet. We might be able to save her. <laughs> so, guys, you gotta check out this this manga. It's amazing. Uh, but that's, that's what I'm thinking because it doesn't take place on Earth. It takes place in some fantasy yeah. world. And I was also thinking there's some other things like um, Mouse Guard is another book that takes place on an earth-like place but it's all about mice and maybe it does take place on earth i don't know but it doesn't feel like it takes place on earth because it's about these mice that are knights and they're trying to just defend other mice but their biggest enemies are owls and snakes and crabs because fantasy right? you, know, yeah. you know you know how like you know crabs are do. the mortal enemies of mice yeah, yes obviously a crab might eat you if you're walking on the beach i don't know you're a tiny little mouse it's that's a what i was
1: thinking real problem
2: what I really look for look for is shit that can't happen on Earth. So like Mouse Guard is a good example. Like Yeah. <laughs> mice on Earth, to my knowledge, uh do not have tiny, you know, swords and helmets and stuff.
0: Right. Like, they don't have uh, a deep lore about their the history of mice.
2: Yeah. You know, and and Dr. Afra, she was recently on what I believe was just like a big pile of trash held together by space magic because Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a prison made of garbage and I just really that enjoyed sounds, it. Because yep. I also feel like I live in
0: a prison made of garbage sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you took it to a two-real well, place. <laughs> you know,
0: Brian, on on that note, <laughs> to just get off of the weird dark turn that we took, um, <laughs> on that note, there's a book that I really, really enjoy that I was turned on to by someone I work with. Um, some of the people I work with, they're really into like young adult like comics because that's where all the money is. And Really? There's this story. Yeah, no, no joke. One of the most... Prolific comic book artists and sellers in the world or in the United States is the woman who wrote the book Smile. Oh, yeah, I do know, I know is, that. Yeah, that's one of the most popular graphic novels to ever have been sold in the United States. Yeah, she's and all
1: her books are always at the top of the list,
0: exactly. And it's all graphic novels, it's OGNs, and that it, it's, it's legit comics, but it's just for
1: middle, middle grade girls, isn't it? Isn't that their target yeah. demo? Yeah,
0: exactly. And she does a great job, Laura. Knetziger, knets i can never say her last name Mm -hmm. uh but yeah check out that book i mean it's great but it's published by scholastic it's not published by like any of our current big comic book publishing companies Mm -hmm. and that's why they do well but this other book that i'm trying to get to (laughs) is uh natalie reese wrote this it makes this comic called space battle lunchtime and it's a baking show but it it takes place in space at lunchtime No, no, no. Space Battle Lunchtime is the name of the quote-unquote television show that our main character gets pulled from Earth into space to star on, and they just compete to bake. But it's, it's like, it's alien, so she's making food with things that she doesn't know about, and you get to interact with all these strange alien people and hear about what kind of foods they like, and so she doesn't really know all the alien stuff, but she gets to experience this whole new world, and it's very upbeat and very colorful and happy, and... Uh, it's it's one of those things where you know you wouldn't ex- you experience this stuff on earth but I think what makes it interesting is the the like twist on everything that you constantly get like you know you'd put sugar on everything in in uh in uh, on earth but in this world you put like pixie dust on it or something like that um I had a point where I was going with this to talk about how you experience new things, but I totally lost it at some point. Nonetheless, you should all read Space Battle Lunchtime because it's fantastic. But uh, it takes place in space and it's all about like alien relationships and how humans play into this world. And it's all very... Like, humans are pretty much nothing in compared to like the mass of the rest of the galaxy. And it's really cool. And uh, yeah, I totally lost my point. I'm so sorry about that. The point but was good that book. Mike
1: likes food manga no matter where I they're do. set. If they're set I do. in space, on Earth... At lunchtime, whatever, he's down. <laughs> he is down in the dungeon with his food manga.
0: I mean, you're right. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you there.
1: <laughs> uh, for me, like, I, it's hard to find some that I don't like. But the big thing is, like, that is my big peeve is if they have really inconsistent rules for their magic or their, or their advanced science. Whatever the rules are, if they're not, like, I can... If the story's good and art's great or whatever, I can overlook little things, but if it, there's like glaring, like, wait, what moments, then it really bothers me.
0: What are you talking about? We all love a great deus ex machina, right?
1: <laughs> it just throws you out of the story so much when you're like, wait, how can that one like fly or whatever, you know, like whatever the thing is when you're like, oh, wait, it? Yeah, wanna... doesn't make sense. You...
0: I mean, speaking of Deus Ex mocking, let's talk about this X-Men book that I was able to oh nail into gosh. this whole story. Um, so, Mr. and Mrs. X, it's the story of Rogue and Gambit. They got married in X-Men Gold, and now they're in space for their honeymoon. They thought the furthest we could get away from any conflict would be in space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Turns out, that's not the case. Oh, I'm shocked. <laughs> because Kitty Pride lent them a spaceship to go find this egg. Um because x-men and <laughs> it turns out and uh, full spoilers for mr and mrs x one through three i think the egg that they find is actually somehow a psychic baby <laughs> of professor x and the shiar queen who passed away lalandra and so she has infinite powers forever because she is the you know the child of professor x and Lilandra, who's a very powerful space magician so you know she can kind of do whatever she wants and gets everyone out of every bind i think like three of the five issues or six issues that i've read rogue dies but like it turns out it was all just a not it didn't happen because deus ex machina character can do whatever she wants so you know great story comics are Um, so fucking weird (laughs) All, all I want to do is just read a story about Rogue and Gambit just having a good time. And quite honestly, Kelly Thompson in this book, she gives me that. She gives me Rogue and Gambit and their ups and downs in their marriage relationship. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm so excited I'm getting married later this year. Um, and it's, I, it's, it's fun. But is, is Kelly also, taking you to space? <laughs> she, yeah, Kelly and I are going to space for our honeymoon. Um, we have to go find an egg as well. Total coincidence. Uh, yeah, it's it's, but yeah, th- th- this kind of story it works because just when you think you got out of the game, it brings you right back because that's how X Men works.
1: I remember reading Cyclops back in 2014, (sighs) maybe. I don't remember who was on the title, but it was it was called Cyclops. But it was like teenage Cyclops goes to space to find his space dad, and he's like in space bonding with his space dad, and it was the weirdest X Men comic.
2: Playing space catch, you know, throwing the old space. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey,
1: space dad, why did you abandon me in my youth? Also, I have lasers for eyes. (laughs)
0: Listen, Kate, don't talk. Shit about my favorite young x-men storyline that i've read in a long time really i love that that book i really like that book because it gave cyclops an actual heart rather than the black void that exists Mm -hmm. in the heart of or the chest of scott summers um instead of him being a whiny adult he was a whiny teenager and it made sense
1: (laughs) yeah even better
0: but yeah that whole book takes place in space as well but that's a really good like father-son story from like a perspective of, hey dad, why'd you abandon me? And he's like, oh fuck, maybe I shouldn't have abandoned you. Yeah, and that's it the had moral heart the story. for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was just
1: weird, but Even like in X-Men. space,
0: we can find heart.
1: Even Scott Summers has a heart. You heard it here, people.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you guys, you know, I, I realize I keep tangishing just to list off books because that's all I came up with. Um, but like these, uh, the one of the other things I I guess I wanted to talk about was like space horror. Oh, and like yeah. how yeah. space horror can actually be a lot more terrifying than like just run of the mill mm-hmm. oh no, we're in an abandoned chainsaw factory. what let's go inside um, I think space horror is worse because there's an element of severe containment mm-hmm. versus on earth, you could just run away. <laughs> Kind of. yeah. yeah. Um, but in space it's like that's what I think makes books like Alien and Predator, specifically more of the alien books, really terrifying. It's that you're either on a space cap you know, spaceship and you that's your only place where you can survive, or you're on a planet that is literally trying to kill you, meanwhile something bigger and smarter and stronger than you is trying to kill you. Um those that those are the things that really make those books creepy for me and I, I like enjoy the thrill of them. But uh, I don't know if you guys read any of yeah. that stuff, too. I know, no. like, Nick and See, I did a Nick whole thing about that. See, Nick told me but.
1: that I should and sent me a bunch of screenshots, and the art looks beautiful for what was the one that was out recently that was, like, not Ice and Fire because that's Game of Thrones, but...
0: Uh, fire and Stone. Fire and Stone. There and we go. Yeah. Okay. Fire and Stone, and then there was Life and Death. So and he was sending me screen caps
1: yeah. at that, and it looked great, but here's the thing. I can't trust Nick because he told me that I should <laughs> run the first alien movie, which I had never seen, and watch oh, no. it when I was house-sitting by myself no. at night. Nope. And I did, I wouldn't have done that. and now I can't read alien comics or trust Nicholas.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think a big thing that makes horror so effective when you're on a different planet is that you don't know what's possible right. in that location. Right, totally. Like, and you're out of your d- element that's what makes the xenomorphs so frightening before you, like the first time you see them, because you, you just don't know what these creatures can do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the being, I think the, the most scary element of the, that story is the whole being trapped in an enclosed space with a monster. Is, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. That's nightmare fuel
0: exactly exactly
1: another piece that we see in sci-fi comics a lot are stories about like androids and robots and you get storylines that are about like what does it mean to be human and one of the ones i like so much now i've only read volume one so i don't actually know what the main themes of this whole arc are but descender by jeff lemire and dustin nyan so beautiful and so like oh So alien and yet so right in my heart place.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I will, I will, I will definitely say there is a moment in Descender right Mm -hmm. where it's all about Driller, and I just I couldn't hold it together Mm -hmm. because there's just a beautiful arc about the whole backstory of that character. I felt like my heart was breaking for a robot, Mm -hmm. and that's how good Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen like together creating the story. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Hey, this is Eric uh, looks, like,
2: man. If you're not mispronouncing the names,
0: you're doing <laughs> it wrong. Those, those guys, they were able to tell a story that just broke my heart and is about a robot. And he's like supposed to not even, he's not even supposed to be like the most intelligent robot. He's just a robot mm-hmm. with a conscience and like, and his content is like aware of who he is and what he does. Oh man. And that's, oh, that book takes place in space and it is fantastic.
1: <laughs> and beautiful. God, I love his watercolor yes. art so much.
0: I'm very excited for Ascender, which is coming out very soon. The sequel series. It's going to be...
1: Amazon had some book coupons over the holiday sales when it was trying to get you to get your Christmas gifts on Amazon, where mm-hmm. you had to buy a certain number of or, or like $25 worth of books, and I only was buying one book for someone, and I was like, oh, no, I guess I have to add these graphic novels, <laughs> <laughs> and I bought the next Descender book and like uh, the next and Vine book so that nice. I got to the right level. I had to to save money, you guys. That's how yeah, finances work. of course, work. yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> I mean Descender is one of those books I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna eventually just get like the the two in one oh, collected yeah. hardcovers. My because problem is
1: I started with the little volume at a time paperbacks, oh, yeah. and now I'm locked totally in. Totally
0: understandable. Well yeah, you gotta you gotta be consistent. Oh, yeah, it,
1: that's the law. You wouldn't want to
0: buy it twice, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Three times even. Like, <laughs> who does that? I, wouldn't. <laughs> I didn't buy them all digitally already and want the hardcovers. Uh-huh, <laughs> no, uh-huh. that's stupid. Um <laughs> no, that's that's that was like that's a perfect example. I'm And again, I think we we've, we've got a huge list of comics here that are like super not they're not on earth at all and they still are telling captivating stories and the reason that I think we're all drawn to them is because of their otherness in that they they are, aren't something we know what to expect when we open the book. We don't know, like Brian and you, both of you and Kate said, um, like the thing that makes them unique is we don't know what's expected of the world, right? When you re- read a book that takes place on Earth when you're reading a book like Giant Days, you kind of understand the laws of the universe. Whereas if you're reading something like Outer Darkness, for instance, a book by John Lehman and Afu Chan, that whole book is based around the idea of what if we took Star Trek and instead of just science, it also had to do with like demigods trapped inside of the engine of a ship and you fly towards a black hole star that is haunted and go start infesting your ship. Like, there are so many things that you could have never predicted. And that's what, like for me, draws me into that book every time. What are they going to flip on its head next? Absolutely. Um, the unexpected and it just
1: sucks you into this whole other world. So it's totally. such a good escape. And I think comics do it especially well as compared to like novels because you have that visual element to it where you're oh, it's yeah. so much easier to well, I don't know, easier. It's just a different medium for it than describing with words what the character's seeing and what they're what the world looks like versus seeing it on the page. Mm-hmm. It's I it's think, certainly
2: more expedient that way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure, yeah. for
1: sure. Um but i think there's a lot more th- uh elements that can be used. We talked about color and design and um just what they draw in general like, can add to that world building experience to show you what's possible there and suck you in.
0: Yeah, i don't think i could have read a book about an egg mm. in space that I rogan gave me. I mean, you've but <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Yeah, no, i i totally i totally agree with you there. Yeah. That's 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 pretty much it. I mean, and i'm curious to know what uh, what draws, you know, you listeners out there into reading these types of books. I know that a bunch of you out there are reading sci fi and fantasy mm-hmm. books that don't take place on Earth. You know, Lord of the Rings maybe doesn't count, but let's think about it's other things. Middle Earth, not and, Earth. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I'd, I'd love to know what you guys think, what you actually, what draws you into these kinds of stories, because if it's, if it's similar to us, that's great. If it's something different, I definitely would love to hear it as well. So, you know, shoot us an email, ircb at and all that fun stuff but uh yeah i don't know any any final thoughts on comics that don't take place on earth
1: i would say the perennial try this book if you aren't into this genre go pick up saga volume one i know it's a very unique recommendation for new comic (laughs) readers but like if you're like i only read real world stuff like give it a shot see what them robot people are about
2: totally fucking they're about (laughs) fucking (laughs)
1: that is exactly what they're about that is literally your
2: introduction to the robot people
1: i forgot about that
2: man i didn't brian what about you my uh my recommendation yeah yeah oh geez um pass <laughs> oh, okay. No, okay. <laughs> uh, Dr. Afra. I love Dr. Afra. Oh, Dr. So Afra so good. Yes. I think I enjoy I
1: Star Wars comics a lot more than I re- enjoy the Star Wars books, even the audiobooks that have the augmented sound with like where you can hear the TIE fighters oh, yeah. and stuff, <laughs> which are cool and I do enjoy, but the yeah. comics are even better because you see the world and I love that visual element of Star Wars with all the different mm-hmm. species and different planets and different ships. Dr. Afra is very good. Good pick.
0: Definitely. I am going to recommend Delicious and Dungeon, because let's throw a fantasy <laughs> book in here. Honestly, if you can read this book, and if you don't like it, I'm putting in my mic and guarantee stamp of approval here. If you don't like it, let me know, and I'll pay you back for it. I'll send you money on PayPal or something like that. It is one of those books that I truly, truly think that anyone can get into if you just give it a chance of being like a fun weird fantasy book um, I don't think it has a lot of the strange tropes that I think some people run into when you're reading manga or you're watching anime I think it's just a genuinely good food manga that takes place in a fantasy world there's nothing else like that that I've I've ever read before so highly recommend delicious and dungeon but, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it, I guess. I was supposed to plug the survey earlier in the show. I totally forgot. If you haven't taken the survey yet, um, for the 2018 listener survey, you could enter to win $15 on Comixology. You should go to ircbpodcast.com slash survey. And, yeah, so I guess this is the wrap-up for the show. This is our first episode back of the year. I'm super excited. We've got the annual coming up later this year. I don't even know what we're going to do. I think we're going to do something crazy. We'll see. Make sure to follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brian Head. You can follow Kate at Kate Scotchless, RIP, I think. I don't remember. Yeah. Your Twitter's dead or something. It, you can it follow died me. to death, yeah. It died, okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we retweet stuff and share really cool comic-related things. And, yeah.
1: Uh, you can also find us on Goodreads. On our Goodreads group, which is where I live there, We have weekly discussion threads About things like, right now there's a lot of new Comics media, so we've been talking about Into the Spider Verse And Deadly Class TV show And stuff like that, and all the great holiday sales For comics
0: And I made a short URL, you can go to ircbpodcast.com Slash goodreads, and it just really, takes you right there That's yeah. really
1: convenient We also have the reading challenge, like Mike talked about at the beginning We're setting it up for the year, where we get everyone's Nominations for it, so if you want to take part In that, that head on over we also have ircbpodcast.com and the pronunciation guide and merch are all living over there. People like me should check out that pronunciation guide so we pronounce names correctly.
2: <laughs> We'd also love it if you would subscribe to our show or rate us on the podcatcher of your choice. The more listeners and better rankings we get, the more people find us, the more people you have to talk to, talk to about the show. You can email us at ircb at org. If you have any questions or comments you'd like us to know, that's a good place to hit us up. Uh, You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ircbpodcast where we have exclusive audio, articles, early access to our Top of My Pile posts, and more.
0: Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of the music for our show. I'm very excited for their new album that I think is coming out this year, so keep an eye out for that. Xander is a cool, cool guy. He's a cool, cool wizard, and he also cool, cool edits the show. I'll say thank you to Brian and Kate for being (laughs) on the show this week. And thank you to the listeners. You guys are fantastic. We've been talking to so many people over the last couple weeks. It's blowing my mind. I love talking to you guys on the internet. Thank you so much for, like, being active and communicating with us. It's fantastic. Until next time, if you haven't already seen it, you better go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is incredible.